We're now listening to the Nick's State of Mind podcast, presented by Elite Sports Radio. And now, your hosts, Chip Murphy and Matt Castillo. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Nick's State of Mind podcast. Now, the past few weeks, I've started off each show thanking the fans, encouraging the fans to participate with the show, and I, I got to take a moment again, Chip, really fast to thank the fans because this uh, our last week's episode was the highest viewed episodes the Next State of Mind podcast uh, has seen. And like I said, we've been growing each and every week, but to see the numbers that we reached last week was uh, pretty awesome to see. So we thank you guys again for. Uh, listening to our podcast and and I'm sure you guys are telling your friends even about it because like I said the numbers keep growing and that that's just awesome to see um one guy on Facebook chip even said and uh, one of the posts I put on for the podcast said that it's his fuel for his uh landscaping duties or uh, landscaping excuse me uh, oh, duties really? yep he said <laughs> he awesome. said you know this is what fuels him gets him to uh you know, go out there and do the dreaded uh, yard work. So, you know, we're appreciative of that. Oh, man. Yes. Those guys, those guys have a tough job, man. And yep. I don't know how it is down where you are, but here in Jersey, it was, uh, we moved the other day and it mm-hmm. was 100 degrees. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's how it is on here. Yeah. That's how it's here in South Carolina. Yeah. It's hot. So, um, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. To see that, you know, this this podcast yeah. we just started, what, a few months ago and, and seeing the numbers take off. And that's all because of the fans. And we are so appreciative of the number spikes that we're seeing. And with that being said, we're going to jump right into the show today. Uh, some of the news this week involved a signing of a veteran point guard. The New York Knicks needed a veteran with the young guys they have on their, their roster currently with Ron Baker and Frank Nielakina. They needed a veteran guy. They were able to get that done. They signed Raymond Sessions to a one-year, $2.3 million deal. And Chip, what do you think about the signing? I like it. You know, I mean, he's 31 years old. He's the definition of a journeyman point guard, you know. Uh, This is going to be his 11th season in the league. Uh, The Knicks are going to be his eight different teams. Uh, he's had two previous stops with other teams. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had a pre, he's had two different uh, stints with the Hornets and two different stints with the Bucks. So the guy's been around the block. Like you said, they want a veteran. They wanted a mentor for Frank. I can't think of a guy who'd be a better mentor. This guy has seen it all. He's been with a lot of squads. He's seen everything you can possibly see in a locker room. And, being, you know, he's not going to be a guy who does anything remarkable on the court, but being in that role where he knows he's going to be there for just a year, he's going to want to, he knows he's in a contract year. He's going to want to build his stock up to maybe get a multi-year deal next summer. So he's going to want to play as well as he can, but he's also not going to complain about playing time. Mm -hmm. And hopefully he's going to want to come in and make, 
playing well for Frank, his number one priority. And uh, there was a couple of interesting things that I remember reading about it. Uh, Mark Berman from the New York Post actually talked to uh, Dan D'Antoni about Ramon Sessions, uh, Mike D'Antoni's brother, who uh, was uh, who's the, currently the uh, assistant, uh, the head coach for uh, the Marshall Thundering Herd, which is his alma mater, the college basketball team. But he was an assistant for his brother with uh, the Phoenix Suns and the New York Knicks. And uh, he said that he tried to get Ramon Sessions back in 2007. He lobbied to draft Ramon Sessions mm-hmm. in 07. And then he tried to get Sessions again back when uh, his brother was coaching the Knicks. So, and he's known Sessions since Sessions was 12 years old. Uh, he's known for a long time. He's a big fan of him. He had nothing but good things to say about him. Uh, he said he's a great person. He can create pace for an offense. He reads the floor well. Uh, you know, he, he spreads the ball well. Uh, you know, like I said, he's not a remarkable player who's going to do a lot of special things. But And another interesting, another stat that I thought was interesting, last year, where he didn't have a particularly good year, one probably one of his worst of his career, where he only played 50 games because of injury, but mm-hmm. he, uh, he shot 38% from the field and uh, 33% from, or 34% from three-point range, which he's a terrible Yes, he's player. awful at three-point shooting. Only, yeah, he's a 32% three-point shooter for his career and uh, scored six points per game. But one of the things I thought was interesting, he, uh, for his first season, he averaged or he uh, was 5.7 assists for 36 minutes. And uh, Derek Rose was 4.9 for 36 minutes, and Ron Baker was 4.5. So he was better than Derek Rose, and he was better than the Knicks returning point guard, Ron Baker, who I think I would think that Ron Baker is better suited to play off the ball if he can ever get that. We were Me and you were just talking before the show of, about how we both hope Ron Bittinger gets that shot straight. If he gets that shot straight, hopefully he can play off the ball someday. Yeah. But, you know, Vermont Sessions, he's smart. I think the best thing about him is that he doesn't turn the ball over. You know, that's the best thing. He's not going to uh, – and Derek Rose did turn the ball over. And we remember Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings <laughs> lost in his game. Yeah. So I think he's not he's – not, Ramon Sessions isn't going to make any mistakes. He's going to be smart, and I think he's a guy who I'm going to learn from. And Ron Baker will probably learn yep. things from him too. So, yeah, I like the signing, and, like, he's not a good shooter, and uh, it could hurt not having shooting from either him or Baker. But uh, And Frank Nielakina's shooting is such an enigma. We really don't know what we're going to get from him. Yep. But most of the time, international players their first year are not good three-point shooters but yeah I don't we won't know until we see it but right now I like the signing I think it's going to work out well for the team what about you well first off like I said and I agreed with the reports that the Knicks needed a veteran point guard uh we, we talked about this several times on the show right after the draft with Neil Aquina and even right after they signed Ron Baker it's still 
they, they needed that, that veteran guy to come in and, and help those young guys grow because, look, the most complicated position to play is point guard. Uh, especially for young guys in this league, there is a massive learning curve. Yes, there's a learning curve for any player, but more so for the point guard position because it requires you to do basically a little bit of everything, especially in today's game. So they definitely needed to sign a veteran guy. Uh, you know, this is not a move that you're, you're crazy about, uh, not a huge big name. Uh, I, I seen Sessions play. Uh, we mentioned that he, he played a couple of times with the Hornets. And, you know, being only about an hour and a half, hour, 15 minutes from Charlotte, I go every year to see the Knicks play them, and, and I watched him live. And he's a solid player. And like you said, he's not going to complain. He's not a guy that needs huge minutes. And he'll come in and provide some scoring. I think for his career average, I think he's around about 10 points a game. Yeah, 10.6 points a game he scores. Um, Last year was injury riddled for him. And and that's kind of the case really throughout his whole career. He will miss time uh, from injuries. And... But again, I, I think this was a yeah, move. That's the, that's the thing that worries me the most. Yeah. What if he goes down? Yeah. And you know, Frank is forced to play more minutes than he's comfortable mm-hmm. with. That could be an issue. But hey, look. Like I said, I like signing. But hey, go on. <laughs> yeah, and it's a little kind of shocking that he is injured as much as he is because you look at his minutes per game. He doesn't play exceptionally large minutes. I mean. In 2013, he did average 32 minutes a game, but since that point, he's only averaging 18, 17, 20 minutes a game. It's not big minutes, but his body does seem to fall apart. That is a concern for me, as you said, Chip. You know, it can hurt young point guards having to give them bigger minutes right off the bat. And also, yeah. he is a terrible three-point shooter. Um, I mean, 33%. Was what we did last year? Is that right, Chip? Thirty. Uh, Thirty-three point nine. Yeah. yeah, so round about thirty-four, whatever. It is not a, a strength, or it's not a strength in his game. And I've said this again that mm-hmm. the NBA is all about three-point shooting. Uh, it's you know, to survive in the yeah. league. You need to be able to knock down the three ball. He's not going to be able to do that. You can sag off of him. Uh, his game is attacking the basket, and something that he, he does well for himself. Um, you know, efficient scorer, for the most part, for the minutes that he's gotten, he's, you know, for his career, a 43% shooter from the field. You'll take that, especially for a backup role. Um, you know, I, I would have liked somebody a little bit more skillful. And by the way, 79, 79% from the free throw line. So okay. It's important to point that out. Good yeah. free throw shooter. And that's imp- yeah, that's important. you got to be able to hit your free throws. Um, something Derrick Rose, not very good at doing. Uh, he struggled. He struggled, man. He struggled. I was, you know, for his career, if we're talking about Derrick Rose, he's not a bad free throw shooter. But last year, I mean, God, goodness. And him and Brennan Jennings both. I mean, it seems like if they go to the line, they would make it one out of two a lot. And a left points well, off the board. Going, well, he wasn't going to the line nearly enough. Mm-hmm. He only averaged... He actually shot. It says here he actually shot eighty-seven percent in the line last year. I'm shocked by that. Yeah, but 
he only averaged he only averaged four attempts per game for the mm-hmm. line. He should have averaged way more than that. Well, it's because he, just he wasn't drawing enough contact. It's because he was too yeah. fast for the officials, Chip. Remember, remember, yeah. <laughs> you know that's why Derrick Rose wasn't getting to the line. He was so he was a blur. You know, it was hard to see the contact. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. <laughs> but you know, it was, it was the rest fault. Yeah, yeah. the rest fault. Yeah, but eighty-seven percent—that is shocking to me. I thought it was a lot worse because, like I said, it seemed like he was making one or two, or, or not able to hit some of the big ones. And maybe more so for Brennan Jennings. Brennan Jennings, I'm curious to see what his free throw shooting was. So, you know, somebody who doesn't shoot very well from outside the field, like Session does, if he's going to hit his free throws and attack the rim, that's a plus. That's the point that I'm I'm trying to get at. Now, I would have preferred. Uh, to sign one of these other guys like a Rondo. Um, I mean, I even look and see Derrick Rose signed with the Cavaliers. He signed for $2.1 million. We signed Sessions for $2.3 million. So, I, yeah. Derrick Rose is the better player, skillful-wise. Um, he's terrible defensively and a lot of other things and not really – and we're going to kind of touch Derrick Rose actually in the next segment about the leadership. Um, in the terms of that, Sessions is a much better role model for Ron Baker and Neil Aquina. So I'm just going to say that. Yeah, I rather have him than I rather have Sessions than a Rondo or a Derrick Rose because even thing you know I wanted Rondo. I was very interested in Rondo. That's a veteran that. I was hoping the Knicks would be able to bring in. Um, For sure, but I don't think he was interested. Mm-hmm. I, I think he wanted to go to New Orleans and play with Boogie. Yeah, I yeah. think he did. That was, yeah. And it makes sense for him because, that, that again, we mentioned this when he signed with New Orleans, that it was his highest assist totals. And another yeah. thing, though, about Rondo. He, that's his thing. He cares about his assist. Yeah, his numbers. His yeah. yeah, and that's another thing. For when you're looking at somebody to mentor these young point guards, Rondo might not be the greatest example. You know, he has a reputation with a bad attitude, uh, quits on his team. Uh, he did it in Dallas. So, in a way... Definitely quit in Dallas. Yeah. He apparently was great with the young guys in Chicago last year, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, well, it something, might not be worth the potential headache, you know? Something had to give, though, if he was being put on the bench, like he did for a large chunk of the towards the end of the season last year. You know, he was. Hey, oh, he definitely, he definitely clashed with the, the coach there, mm-hmm. Woodberg. Yep, him and Woodberg did not get along. Yeah, so there could be a lot of issues with him. So the point that I'm making is, yes, there were more veteran guys that are more talented sessions than sessions, but. You're you're getting the kind of role that you want your veteran guard to take, who's going to mentor these young guys. And my next question, really quick, that I want to ask you, Chip, um, does this mean I, I know it looks like Ron Baker probably is going to be your starting point guard, but is it possible yeah. that Sessions starts games? Um, you know, he's played, what, 663 total NBA games. He's only started 143, so for the most part, he has been a bench player, comes off the bench. Do you see him possibly mm-hmm. taking the starting spot, or no, you don't think this signing means that he, he's going to be the starter? It'd be one of the younger guys, probably Ron Baker. 
mistake yet. You just made my you just made my point. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's never started more than thirty nine games in a season, and that was back in oh eight oh nine in his second year in his career. Uh, and he started thirty eight games once too, and that was a couple of years later when he in a ten eleven. So now I I don't see him. As a starter, uh, I guess if the Knicks want to throw him out there, they could. You know, it's not like they're really trying to win games anyway, but Jeff Hornacek has made it clear over and over that he loves Ron Baker. And Steve Mills obviously loves Ron Baker, too, because he gave him that contract we were just talking mm-hmm. about earlier. So uh, I think I agree with you. I think Ron Baker is going to be the guy, at least at the start, but if he struggles and plays awful, I could see, and Sessions plays well coming off the bench, I mm-hmm. could see them making a change. Okay. I think, uh, yeah, if Ron Baker, because I, I think, or I don't think Ron Baker is an NBA starter, so not on a good team. Anyway, yeah. Ram, uh, Ramon Sessions is the better player, but I think uh, Ron Baker will begin the season as the starter. And another quick question, because this is something that I, I can't really go into with Sessions. I'm not sure about. Um, but Chip, do you know anything about his defense abilities? Is he a solid defender? Uh, I think he's. Well, I don't think he's solid. I think he's like average to slightly below average. Mm-hmm. Now he's not like he's not as bad as Derrick Rose, but he's certainly not a good defender. Okay. Um, I, I don't think he's gonna blow anybody away next year. Uh, he's not Jose Calderon, he's not Derrick Rose, but I think Ron Baker is probably a better defender than him. Okay. I think that argument can probably be made. I think defense defense and three-point shooting are probably his two biggest weaknesses. And like I said, this is not like one of these huge signings that you, you go crazy about. Uh, you know, There were other veteran point guards that were bigger names, but when you think about what the Knicks are trying to do, how they're trying to mold their young point guards, overall, it's a one-year deal. You're not investing too much money in for him. I think last year he made around $6 million, so it's a pay cut to get him. Um, and yeah, yeah, he, exactly. he's, he's not going to cause yeah. problems. He, I think he's, he's not a diva. So overall, this is not a bad signing for the Knicks. It, it, it's a good move to mentor the – Younger point guards and also and give them some the way, production. He's just a year a year removed from averaging ten points a game and shooting forty seven percent in the yeah. field. Yeah. So and well, last he had year a down year last and played all eighty two games. That yeah. Season. And last so year was he injured. Had a down year last year. Who knows? And the injuries really knows. definitely probably played a role in why his numbers dropped. So you know, this is a guy that that's going to give you some solid production he's going to show up he's going to play hard yeah. so again nothing to ride home about but a, a really solid signing it makes sense for the knicks so can't really knock them all or, or mock the knicks too much for this move this actually makes a lot of sense but that's all the time we have for this segment when we come back we're going to talk about derrick rose who we talked a little bit about in this segment but the comments that his agent said about not wanting to mentor a Frank Nielakina. So we'll be back in just a moment. Hello, everybody. Matt Castillo, the co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and contributor to Elite Sports New York. 
You can follow me at Twitter at MattyDiesel15 to get my latest articles, videos, and podcasts. Make sure to follow Elite Sports New York's Twitter as well at Elite Sports NY and the rest of Elite Sports New York's social media pages to stay up to date to all the New York sport news. Hi everybody and welcome back to the Nick State of Mind podcast. Now right before we went on our little break, we hinted towards this segment being about Derek Rose and some of the comments that his agent said about mentoring Frank Nielakina. And his agent said this, you're a mentor when you can no longer play. The league, you get paid to perform. You don't get paid to be a mentor. So basically, it seems like Derek Rose did not want to be a mentor to Frank Nielakina. And I get from this chip, I sense a little saltiness from Derek Rose because a few months ago, he wanted to remain in New York. He wanted to take a pay cut. The New York Knicks, when Phil Jackson was still running the show, had high interest in Derek Rose. That quickly turned when Phil Jackson was uh, and the Knicks mutually had their departure that the guys that now are in charge of the Knicks weren't very sold on Derrick Rose, and they quickly stopped any kind of talk with him rejoining the team. And I think this is just saltiness on Derrick Rose's part that he doesn't want to mentor Frank Nielakina. He didn't want to do that. He didn't want to be in a role because to him, or at least what his agent is saying, that's a role that you take when you can no longer play. I don't necessarily buy that. I think if... Derrick Rose was still a Nick. I think he obviously would not be making any kind of comments like this of not mentoring somebody. I don't necessarily believe that once the Knicks drafted Neil Aquina, he was no longer interested in rejoining the Knicks because it was not too much or too long after the draft that he still was talking about rejoining the Knicks. So if he really didn't want to mentor this young point guard, Frank Nielakina, to me, he wouldn't even say or have reports out there saying that he wanted to rejoin the Knicks. Basically, what it is is the Knicks turned the back on him, did not want him because, let's face it, yes, Derrick Rose is still a solid player, can still put the ball in the hoop, but he's a miserable defender. And the Knicks want to get away from guys like that that, that cannot defend. That's what they're trying to transition to. Young, talented guys that that are going to play defense, play both ends of the floor. And when the Knicks then lost their interest in signing Derrick Rose, then I think all this started to come out that uh, I wasn't on board with uh, the role that they had for me. I don't don't buy that. I think this is more of a, they rejected me, so now I'm going to make it seem like I was rejecting them. Because I think it's a bad look for Derrick Rose. I mean, look, the guy, as I mentioned before, signed a deal for $2.1 million. Yes, he had to take less like that to join Cleveland. And as Cleveland is basically falling apart, they're still a very good basketball team at the moment. But I think all this is, is they didn't want me, so I'm going to pretend like I really didn't want them. And pretend I wasn't interested in being a mentor because I'm much better a player than that. I, I don't buy it, Chip. But, but what 
What do you think when you, you hear these comments by his agent that he really didn't want to be a, a mentor or buy into the role that the Knicks had for him? I actually believe that he didn't want to be a mentor. Okay. I think that he wants to still be, in his mind, I think he still believes he can be the focal point of an, uh, or one of the focal points of an offense. And uh, on a, uh, on a great team, like, cause that's where he went, obviously to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And I think even if they trade Kyrie, they're still the favorite in the East, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, from what it looks like now, he's going to go to Phoenix and they'll get Eric Bledsoe back. If that happens, they're still the favorite in the East. So he's on the favorite in the East and he feels like I go to the favorite in the East. I'm one of the focal points in the offense. That's where I am at in my career. I should be an offensive focal point on a great team, not a mentor on a rebuilding bad team. And he has that prerogative. Look, Derek Rose is 28 years old. He'll turn 29 years old in October before the season starts. He's not even 30. I mean, he's not really a fit for a mentor role. So just the only reason he seems like a mentor role is because he gets hurt all the time. And he used to be great, and now he's just kind of good. Yeah. And it makes sense. Like you mentioned, Matt, you mentioned the best point about this whole thing. It makes sense for the Knicks to move on because they have been one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA for as long as I can remember. Since since Tyson Chandler left, Mm -hmm. and that was a long time ago, and Derrick Rose is a miserable defensive player, and you can't be a you can't be a very good defensive team if you have a miserable defense uh, defender at point guard. Uh, it, it makes no sense to have him there, uh, but I will. I see your point though, because he was talking about all season about how much he wanted to come back to New York. His agent, who now suddenly yeah. has nothing good to say, yep. was talking all season about how much he wanted to come, about how much Rose wanted to come back to New York. And unlike the radio and stuff, and to the, to the media. So, yeah, I see your point, but I also believe that Rose isn't interested in playing a mentor because, and look, he's, like we mentioned earlier, He's not really a good mentor figure mm-hmm. anyway. Yep. The guy blew off a regular season game last year without explanation. Yep. <laughs> he just didn't show up. That's not really a mentor mm-hmm. type of guy. So I'd rather, if I was the Knicks, I wouldn't want him back either. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, they like you said, they didn't even offer him the best minimum. So the feeling was mutual. Yeah, it was, and they went a different way, and I think they made the right decision. Yeah, and I, I was early on in the off season, like I said, when I when I was looking for the Knicks to take on a veteran point guard, I wasn't against bringing back Derrick Rose because of his offensive game. But as time went on, I honestly think that this was the right decision for the Knicks to move on because we knew all along they were going to draft a point guard 
we we knew that obviously Frank Nielakina is their future guy that they're hoping he molds into their starting point guard role and becomes a very productive player for the the course of his career. And as time went on, you you can you can see they're taking a young point guard. You need a guy that is a good mentor to him. Derrick Rose isn't. Uh, you know, look, this guy was four or five years ago an MVP caliber player. Uh, he had the Bulls in contention to win NBA, NBA championships. Won the MVP. Yeah, he did win the MVP. Yeah, youngest yeah. MVP winner in history. Yeah, that's right. So he, when you when you have that kind of status, I think that that diva in, in an NBA player kind of comes out that they're too good for a, a role like a mentor. And here, here's the thing. I think if the Knicks brought in or brought back Derrick Rose, I still think he would be a focal point. I don't think it's necessarily, okay, uh, Frank Nielakina is the future. We want you to babysit him. I don't think that would have been the case. That's why I kind of do not buy these comments. That's why I think it's more of a spiteful reaction to the Knicks rejecting him. And I think, you know, like like you said, that he wants to be a, a focal point or he believes that he can still be a focal point. He, he would have been on the Knicks offense. But what it came down to it was they want somebody to lead these other young point guards. And when you look at things like you just said, he blew off the team. He didn't show up. He didn't even, he didn't even pick up his phone. Regardless of what the situation was – I think he said that he had some family issues back home in Chicago that he had to just deal with, and all that is fine. But you're telling me you can't pick up the phone and say, hey, I have this going on? I'm pretty sure if he did that, the Knicks would have excused him from the game, and they would have let him go. He He didn't even pick up his phone. That's something that you don't want to teach a young player. You don't want somebody like that to be teaching your future point guard. Another thing is, you know, there was times that Jeff Hornacek benched him in the fourth quarter. Why? Because he was useless defensively. And, you know, Ron Baker came in and played better defense at times and, and was giving the Knicks the best opportunity to win. So Jeff Hornacek played Ron Baker. And that's another reason why... I, I, I like Jeff Hornacek and want to see him get a chance. I'll just throw it out there that he does things like that. He doesn't care if you're a superstar or not. If somebody's putting the team in a better position to win, he he put, he plays them. We've seen that several times that the bench actually led the Knicks to, to some victories last year. Um, but the main point, getting back on track, is that Derrick Rose wasn't very happy about that. I think back to, I think it was in February – it was in the second half of the season. We were playing Milwaukee, and Derrick Rose was not having a very good game. It was right yeah, before. That was the big one. Yeah, it's right before that he, he took off. Went AWOL on the team. It's literally a game or two after that there were reports that he wasn't happy that we are playing Milwaukee. He wasn't playing very well, so Hornacek sat him, put in Ron Baker. Ron Baker won the game. I mean, his numbers might not show that he did, but once Ron Baker came into the game, it changed 
the outcome of that game just by the the pestering defense that he played. So things like that as well. Like when you don't want to put the team first, you're too much of a diva, and you feel like I'm I'm a former MVP. I need to be out there winning this game. That's a bad sign. That's a red flag that you're putting yourself before the team because again, in that particular game. If, if Derrick Rose continued to play that game, no way the Knicks came back and won it. No way. Yeah. So that's a, that's another thing. There, the, the, the people that are in charge of the organization now, like Mills and everybody else, they see that. They, they saw how he reacted to things like that. That's not what you want to teach in or teach these other young players. So it makes a whole lot of sense why the Knicks moved on and for me personally, like I said, I think this is more of his feelings being hurt. Once again, kind of like, oh, you didn't want me? Oh, I didn't I didn't want to do that mentoring business anyway. I'm too good for it. And I just think it's more trying to sh- throw a shot back because it's embarrassing to him that the Knicks, the Knicks, who are awful right now, don't even want you. I mean, isn't that what the Knicks do? They make bad moves like this, like, you know, give, like, Derrick Rose, like, $10 million per year, $12 million. You know, I, I mean, I remember a few weeks ago on the give podcast. Tim Hardaway, 71. Yeah. A few weeks ago on the podcast when I was talking about I see the Knicks bringing back Derrick Rose, I said I, I, I think closer to 10 to $12 million per year would be good. And look at this. He signed for 1.2, the veteran minimum. So that minimum, that's got to stay. Exactly. Watch Ron Baker get all that money too. Yeah. Yeah. Ron Baker makes more money than him. That's, that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. So to me, I think it's just simple that they didn't want me. It's embarrassing, but I'm going to pretend like it was really me that didn't want them. That's not the case here. The Knicks totally lost interest of bringing him back once Phil Jackson was out the door. Um, so I, I think kind of like what you said was that he wants to be the main guy again. I think he still would have been one of the main guys if he was back. It's a situation that the Knicks look at somebody that needs to help lead these younger guys, um, and, and mentor them and help their development. And the Knicks actually saw and actually made the right decision. Like I said, at first, I was kind of like, we need to bring back Derrick Rose. But when you sit back and look at it, it makes a whole lot of sense. What's the point of bringing him back? What the, you, know, you can get somebody like Sessions or one of these other veteran guards that were available that are going to be much better for these young guys. And listen, it's just one of those things where he, he's, he's embarrassed. I think his feelings are a little bit hurt. Again, this is not really him saying it. It's his agent who made these comments, but... If his agent's making this comment, it has to – Derrick Rose had to hint something about not wanting to be a mentor. It's not like the agent just comes out with something because if he does, Derrick Rose would have responded, that's not necessarily true or something. By him not saying anything, to me, I think Derrick Rose is certainly okay with what his agent said and spoke for him here in my opinion. I mean, do you agree with that, Chip? Do you think, you know – Well, he's not going to speak – yeah, he's not going to speak against his agent. That'll make him look even worse, I think. Mm-hmm. The agent speaks for the player. Yeah. I, I think that's, you know, this definitely had to come 
from Derrick Rose. So a lot of people might be thinking, well, it was his agent that said it. To me, Derrick Rose is okay with these kind of comments. And I can totally see Derrick Rose now being like that, that his feelings are a little bit hurt. So he's got to pretend like he wasn't, because again, he's a superstar or was a superstar and he's still a pretty darn good player. And he might be in a better position than anybody on the next by going to Cleveland. But I think his feelings got hurt. I think that's all this this indicates. And I think we're going to wrap up this segment. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the leaked information about what the Cavaliers are looking for if they're going to trade Kyrie Irving. So we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everybody. This is Chip Murphy, co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and boss of all New York Knicks content at EliteSportsNY.com. To follow my work, you can find me on Twitter at at Chipper Murphy. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Now, in this segment, we're going to talk about the leaked information that came out this past week uh, of what the Cavaliers are looking for in order to trade Kyrie Irvin. So, Brad Turner who worked for the LA Times as a beat writer for the Clippers, he found out the Cavaliers, and he tweeted this on his own Twitter, that he uh, the Cavaliers want a veteran starter, a young player on a rookie contract, and draft picks. So, he was talking more for the, the Clippers, obviously, um, and he said the Clippers don't have that. So what we're going to talk about is, do the New York Knicks have that? Do they have enough to give the Cavaliers what they are expecting to get in order to work out a trade for Kyrie Irving? So Chip, do you think the Knicks could work out exactly what the, the Cavaliers are looking for? Well, technically the Knicks do have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're obviously, they have a veteran starter. They have Carmelo Anthony. Uh, they have young players on rookie contracts. Uh, obviously, they're not going to trade Carmelo Anthony and Kristaps Porzingis. Mm-hmm. But they could trade Carmelo Anthony and uh, young players on rookie contracts who the Cavs would obviously want, either Billy Hernan Gomez or Frank Nilakina. Uh One of those two guys would obviously be Cleveland's target, mm-hmm. you would think. And uh, the Knicks have a lot of draft picks. So they have what Cleveland wants. Uh, the question is, are they willing to, or is Car- the question is, is Carmelo Anthony willing to waive his no trade to go to yeah. Cleveland? And are the Knicks willing to give up draft picks to get, to get Kyrie Irving? Mm-hmm. Right now, all reports indicate that Carmelo Anthony will only waive his no trade to go to Houston. Yes. So... We don't know. Uh, and I, if I'm Cleveland, I would not do a trade for Kyrie Irving with the Knicks unless I'm getting Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. And, you know, that that's something last week it was still, for Carmelo Anthony, his his destinations were, were Cleveland and Houston. Now it's coming out that he's no longer interested in joining Cleveland. And, again, that makes a whole lot of sense because it, it's an unstable place. Yes, even next year, they're looking like they'll still be in contention, but they're not stable. So it makes sense for him not to consider uh, going to the Cavaliers. Some people think that it's sabotaging the Knicks' chances of getting 
Kyrie Irving. I, I've seen that before that um, he won't go to Cleveland if Kyrie's not on the roster. And now that the Knicks could get Kyrie for Camelo Anthony, he's going to block it. Well, that's what you get for when you when you give somebody a no trade clause in their contract. You're basically handcuffing yourself and giving him all the power. Um, so with those reports again that he's no longer going to or or wanting to go to Cleveland, is there any other? And the Knicks already said this last week that they are not looking to give up Perzingis. Now Phil Jackson was in charge. A, a different story. Perzingis would be on the table, um, but Chip apparently, yeah, he was getting ready to trade him during the draft. Reason, yep. And if Carmelo Anthony is not an option, and like I know you already said, you want to take any trade from the Knicks if Carmelo Anthony is not involved in the deal, and I agree with you a hundred percent. But is there anybody else that you can make a case for, perhaps? For a veteran starter to to get Kyrie, if it's not Carmelo Anthony, uh, for uh, that Cleveland would mm-hmm. take from yeah. the Knicks. Is there I anybody else imagine. you could think of? I, uh, no, I. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only other veteran starter they have on the team is Courtney Lee, and. They're not going to take a package around Courtney Lee yeah. unless you throw Christoph Sporzingis in there. Mm-hmm. And what Christoph Sporzingis, I've said this many times on the podcast before, Christoph Sporzingis is the only player on the roster who should be untouchable. Yeah. Now, I would trade if they said uh, Courtney Lee and Carmelo Anthony for Kyrie Irving. Maybe they'd do that. Uh, and we could get away with trading those two guys instead of having to trade Billy Hernan Gomez or Frank Nilakina, mm-hmm. I'd do that and a first-round pick. I'd much rather trade Courtney Lee than uh, Hernan Gomez and Nilakina. I'm sure, uh, well, maybe you don't agree with me. I would think you'd agree with me. I know you're uh, high on Hernan Gomez. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, yeah I, Courtney Lee's the only other veteran starter I can think of that Cleveland might be interested in. I mean, I'm inter- I-, I do like Heron Gomez, but again, when it comes to a- an opportunity to get Kyrie Irving, man, I- I'll see you in Cleveland. Uh, if, they- if they wanted him and we could work out a deal like that, as much as I like Heron oh, Gomez, absolutely. I'll pack Great. his bags for him. I would. Even a second. I would yeah. take him. I would take him to the airport. I would do all that. I would. I wouldn't even yep. drive him. I would carry him myself to the airport. You know, it, it, to, to get Kyrie Irving, I, I'll go that far. I don't, I don't care. Um, you know, but I, I agree with you. I think if Kamal Anthony's not in this deal, this deal's not going to get done. Um, another thing that I see in this leaked information, it says draft picks, not draft pick, draft picks. Once again, kind of what we already talked about a little bit last week. I'm willing to give up. One draft pick, not multiple. That's yeah, not happening. It doesn't say multiple first round draft picks, though. It doesn't say first multiple first round. Draft That's picks. true. That's true. No. That's true. You know, if yeah. if they're willing to take one first rounder and a few other second rounders, fine. But it's also going to depend, though, for me, Chip, about what kind of draft is coming up. And you know, when, like, for example, if next year's draft is as loaded as this one, 
I ain't giving up a second round pick. I don't think it's supposed to be. No, I think I don't think it's supposed to be. You know. Yeah, I think when you have a big one like this, uh, it, you know, you're going to have a drop off. I mean, this this year's draft class was unbelievable, or at least appears to be, with as many prospects that were in this draft. Um, it could be a few years before you see a, another draft like this again. You're going to always have your your big name guys going into the draft. Um, but not everybody's going to have a great chance of landing somebody significant. It's not as deep. So that's another point to take in consideration. If you know, it's, and it's hard to tell right now. I mean, it's still very early on. You, college basketball obviously hasn't even started yet, so it's kind of hard to get a feel for some of the players that will be looking to put their names in the NBA draft. But if you have, a, if you have that knowledge that this draft or even the next year's draft after that isn't so deep, well then, yeah, maybe you can give up um, some second-round picks. Uh, first-round picks, though, I'm not giving up more than one first-round pick. Again, you have to build through the draft. Yeah, I agree with you on yeah. that. I mean, some people right now could be screaming, it's Kyrie Irving, it's Kyrie Irving. I, I, I understand that. But if you don't draft, you don't really build a strong franchise and I think that's the problem with the Knicks I mean I wrote an article uh, a few months ago right before the draft about making sure the Knicks build their team through the draft even if you had an opportunity to get Kyrie Irving I don't think it's necessarily and this is the second part to to this chip that you know I mean you talked about um, is it even worth making a trade if all this is uh, on the table for them to, in order to get Cleveland to give us Kyrie. And it it kind of depends because it, where we're going with it is this draft or, or drafting is very important. I think if you draft well and you get a few young players that will look good, that's what attracts potential free agents. I, I think back to all these teams – Golden State, they drafted well. Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry, Draymond Green, and then look who else joins them. They get, you know, Iguodala, they get Kevin Durant. Uh, yeah, just other talents flock that way. We've seen that uh, with um, even even Cleveland. They draft Kyrie Irving. They, they get Tristan Thompson. Well, then, gee, the man LeBron James sees what's going on there, and, oh, yeah, I'll go back home. He goes back home. They get Kevin Love. So the point that I'm making is you build through the draft. You start getting – we have KP. Hopefully Frank Nielakina does well because if he does, that's a whole other plus. That's going to make more players want to come play with you. The same thing can kind of be said about the Celtics. Celtics have drafted so well, and now they get Gordon Hayward. They get Al Hartford. The best way to build a team is by starting off in the draft. So is it worth it? Probably – to give up all that, it, it kind of highly depends because where I'm going to go with this, and then Chip, I'll get your opinion. But you know, we were talking a little bit before we did this segment. In two years, Kyrie Irving's a free agent anyway. So if you can build a team, of young, talented players, players like Kyrie Irving might be interested in joining you because you have young talent that can compete for years, not just two, three years, and that's it years to come so do, do you agree with that chip do you see what i'm saying if you build through the draft you might be able to get kyrie Irving in two years anyway uh, 
I just think, yeah, we talked about this earlier, and I just think that so much can change in two years. What if he, right now he seems to be in love with the idea of the Knicks. What if, and he's obviously a guy who changes his mind. Uh, what if in two years' time he falls in love with another franchise? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the franchise that he gets traded to. Right now, Phoenix seems like the favorite. So what if he goes to Phoenix and within the next two years, he falls in love with Phoenix, wants to play for the Suns? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think, and you know, you talk about the draft. Building through the draft is not easy, man. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. It is. And it's, it's, and one thing you also need to point out to build through the draft, you need a great front office. Mm-hmm. You need a smart front office who knows how to draft. And as much as we both can't stand front off, uh, Phil Jackson, he did draft well. Yes. And we have no idea. We have no idea uh, if Scott Perry can draft well. Mm-hmm. And neither one of those guys, uh, Mills or Scott Perry, have ever been in charge of making the draft pick. So uh, asking them to build through the draft is not going to be easy. And I agree with you that it's important to try and build through the draft, but it's not going to be easy. And it's a risky strategy to say, let's not trade for Kyrie Irving and if we uh, build through the draft and maybe Frank turns out to be the solid player that he's projected to be, like the uh, legitimate starter he's projected to be, then uh, and Porzingis develops into a star, then maybe Kyrie will want to sign in New York in two years as a free agent. I think that's risky. I just A lot of things are going to have to break New York's way because... Uh, yeah, uh, like I said, he could. He's going to be traded. It looks like, and he could fall in love with another team. Mm-hmm. Just face it, that could happen. A lot of things can happen in two years. It's the NBA. The crazy things happen every year in the NBA. Crazy things happen every year. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you think Kyrie Irving would be asking for a trade? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I mean, just and especially. Just how the NBA is now. Um, everybody wants to yeah. join a super team, so you never know where that next super team is going to start. I mean, a lot of indications yeah. are hinting towards like the Lakers again, um, that they're, they're getting ready to reports about LeBron James going there, Paul George. Um, so, yeah, a lot can happen. That's actually, that makes a lot of sense. It's a good point that you, you don't know. And you also made a good point that drafting is hard. You know, the way I make it seem, oh, it's a simple process. Just draft and then get it. You're right. You you have to put in the consideration that you can draft thinking that these players turn out to be what, what you expect them to be big stars, and then they totally flop. So, yeah, a lot can happen. That makes a lot of sense. And it is a difficult process, um, and especially when you're – in the terms of just trying to acquire a player like Kyrie Irving, it's going to be really complicated. And yeah, if you do kind of like what I'm saying, that could be a possibility that you can wait a few years to try to get your your name in of trying to get him because he has the Knicks on his list. 
so you can try to get yourself in a better situation and then just sign them. Uh, but there's a lot of risk in that evolved as well. That makes you know total sense about you just don't ever know. You don't know what super teams about the form. Kyrie Irving's looking to join one. Um, so it, it it really does depend. But I think that's all the time that we have for this episode. We will be back next week for another episode of the Next State of Mind podcast. Again, we want to thank our listeners each week and and helping uh, this podcast continue to grow. And uh, we encourage you guys to continue to participate with us on our Twitter at NYKSOM Podcast. Get the word out. Tell, Tell people about this podcast. We want to see this continue to grow, and we're very thankful for the numbers that we see each week is again, like last week we saw our numbers, uh, skyrocketed. It was very, very, um, very cool to see. So we're very thankful for that. But again, we will be back next week for another episode of the next state of mind podcast.